We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. From the home of TV news, interviews, and reviews, this is the Custard TV Podcast. The Custard TV Podcast, uh, we are the podcast of, this will be a shock to you, thecustardtv.com. And uh, on BBC One on Monday nights, you will have been enjoying Ripper Street. It returned for a second series two weeks ago. We're now two episodes in. And I'm joined today by uh, writer Richard Waller. Hello, Richard. Thank you ever so much for doing this. Hi, it's my pleasure. Um, firstly, before we talk about Ripper Street um, for the entirety of the podcast, I've been interested in TV and all this for, for years now. And Ripper Street is the first series I can remember that started in well, started in December, and then the second series is back in October. That's almost unheard of. Was that? How did that come about? Are you, are you happy uh, to be back so so soon? I think there, there are two reasons. Uh, firstly, obviously, we're deeply enthusiastic about what we do and incredibly efficient and good at it, so uh, we can get it out really fast. That's the first reason. And modest, <laughs> modest as well. <laughs> the second reason is um, it was uh, the first series, which is probably the more accurate reason. The first series was always intended to go out in autumn, um, and the BBC in their wisdom, suddenly saw a nice sort of Christmas-winter time slot for it that they thought would work quite well, so they they nudged us back. Um, the uh, So then where that rolled forward to this year was then that they were um, they were looking at us for autumn again and they said to us, would we be able to do it? And uh, we idiotically said we, uh, we would, uh, which meant that most of this year has been incredibly frenzied and uh, hard-working. Um, but here we are and we've got it done. So uh, I hope the results don't... Well, I hope the results display all the hard work we put into it, but, but not the occasional kind of terror that it was ever going to get done. Has there been one sort of concise thing that everybody who's, who's seen Series 1 has said to you? Is, so, is there a, a comment you hear repeated over and over again about that first series? Um, gosh, it's very violent, isn't it? Would <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, one of them? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, really, I think I think that's probably the only one. I mean, people have a lot to say about uh, the language. People have a lot to say about actually. I think the production design. Everyone always comments on uh, how different it looks and how cinematic it looks. Um, uh, and then there was the sort of um, the the slight furore, certainly at the beginning of the first series, about um, uh, the way we chose to sort of. Um, uh, greet the Ripper myth, as it were, in our, in our first episode, and the kind of 
um, you know, the, the sort of the violence that was sort of meased out against um, some of the women in that first episode, and perhaps in some of the later episodes too, drew drew comment certainly from some sections of the media. Or that's say my you know, friends and acquaintances. Has it surprised you, though? Because you call a show Ripper Street, and then people are surprised by the level of violence on there. Um, I, I, well, I didn't really... I think it hasn't surprised me, given that it's a BBC One show going out at nine o'clock, and you look at most of the other things that go out then, and in comparison, I think um, it's I, I think it's the mixture of uh, the, slur, the period, certainly, and, and our slightly sort of... Um, which is always intention, kind of glee at it as well. Um, if that isn't too off-putting a word, to be gleeful about such a thing. Um, but it, it was something that we well, certainly I always wanted to do was to be very sort of um, full on, as full on as we would uh, were allowed to be. Actually, just because I think um, um, the times were very full on, and I wanted to do a period show that was a treating that, that period of history in a very different way, um, show what it was like for people living on the streets uh, rather than drinking tea in their front rooms. I think perhaps the Sunday night slot didn't help that, really. Because a lot um, of people were wouldn't perhaps expecting Sunday night, you know, last tango in Ripper Street. It, it wasn't. It was, you know, it was <laughs> I, I, I for Sunday. Anyway. I think following on after um, Call the Midwife, although that's a bloody moment, doesn't it? But in any event, following on, following on after that and the Antiques Roadshow is a, bit, is a bit much for some people, although I rather enjoy the, um, the contrast. But, but yes, actually, as I say, uh, the original scheduling plan was for us to go out in the week um, uh, and then the BBC took, took a punt on the Sunday night, which I'm still glad they did, but... I'm rather enjoying Monday nights for us. I think that Monday nights, as the as the nights draw in, feels like a good space, really. And is it quite um, exciting for series two to sort of put the Ripper side of things to bed for a bit? It, it, it's it, like you've it, done it, that and you've done it well. It, it, it absolutely is. It's um, you know when set out to make the show, um, you know I'd say at least 70% of my reason for kind of pursuing this idea was to try and create a, a sort of folkloric London and, and the Ripper really was always a, a jumping off point for that and um, it's great now to be able to just sort of enjoy all the kind of history and stories of, of that patch of London that that period hands down to us. And as far as the, the dialogue's one of the things that I really love about Ripper Street, can you sit down at, at your computer and write an episode of Ripper Street, or do you ha does it involve an awful lot of training your brain to think the way these characters think? I mean, it's, it's interesting you ask, because I'm currently um, trying to write a story outline for the first episode of um, a possible series three, um, and... It's interesting coming back to the process again after. So I finished episodes seven and eight of series two. I finished those sort of mid-August, um, and then um, anything to do with Ripper Street, I threw away and ignored. Um, and it's interesting coming back to it now, trying to get back into that that rhythm again. And um, it's always it's much harder to, to begin with. Um, but then once you get into the flow of it, I find it quite. Um, you know, my head's just. Uh, 
geared into those rhythms and those speech patterns and those characters. So as I get to, as I get towards the end of the process, it, it actually becomes quite freely. However, that said, my emails and the spoken conversations with my friends <laughs> tend to be littered with inversions and they get very strange looks sometimes. But anyway, there you go. These are the prices we pay. And do you, does it make it more difficult uh, than writing a, a modern day crime story? Do, do you sometimes think, why did I have to set this in this era? Why couldn't yes, I have written? No, I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've written for Waking the Dead, which, um, you know, is a, a show that was the first show I ever did. So I'll always be grateful to it. It gave me a big break. But, you know, there's something slightly ponderous about writing kind of contemporary plods, you know, where it's sort of actually much more fun writing for these these characters, really, in a way. So I'd say once I'm into my stride, I, I actually find it much easier. And... What freedoms does coming back for a second series give you? I mean, we we, we meet John Merrick in in yeah. episode two That'd last night. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. I, mean, I, th- I think there's a sort of. I hope, in any case, that there's a sort of. We have a kind of a pretty loyal audience. Um, I hope um, tonight's viewing figures will will certainly give us an indication of how loyal. Um, uh, and, and I think there's there's room to kind of. Um, Perhaps to improvise slightly around the theme and at the first series, we were always feeling like we had to sort of return to perhaps more traditional crime narratives through through the middle of the series. And, and I hope you'll see as this series develops that we're we're much more character based in terms of our regulars and, and that our crimes are, you know, always quite unusual or, or, or about rich characters rather than sort of a murder happens in this place or um, if that makes sense. I don't know. Um, You've moved the characters on a fair bit as well. Do 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 you have a personal favourite when you're writing, or do you try and you know get, come at it with fresh eyes each time, or do you think, oh, I'm going to give Jerome a few more lines because he's you know people um, really like him here. This this series, uh, there is actually one episode later on. I won't tell you which, where he doesn't have a single line of dialogue. Um, <laughs> the whole episode, uh, actually, that's partly. Because he just his face just does so much work for you, really. It's sort of very sort of happy to lean back. Um, I don't know. Look, I love them all. The person I most I, I quite like to spin off for is Arthurton. Whenever I get him talking, it's always very pleasing. Um, um, so perhaps I don't know. The Arthurton spin-off might be my most favourite ever. Um, I think I'm right in saying as well that uh, you've given the girls an episode as well this series well and a few um, more yes I think we'll see you'll see that um, the, um, the the journey for Long Susan is um, a sharp and difficult one and, and by the time she gets to the end of the series she's a very different woman altogether a lot of people have commented on uh, John Merrick as well um, on Monday night how do you cast somebody to play that role uh, we saw quite a few um they have to be very fit um, and um, supple, if that makes sense. Um, uh, so a lot of the people we saw had backgrounds as dancers, for example. Um, um, and obviously they've got to, their voice has to have something in it. I don't quite know what we were looking for, but we did see a lot of people. But Joseph actually was in the first round of people we saw and sort of card marked him and kept coming back to him, kept coming back to him. Um, and I think for him there was something very um, sort of angelic, actually, about Joseph as a as a man. He's very sort of, he's quite sort of 
slender and diminutive um, and uh, incredibly physical in his movements. I think he's done a lot of physical theatre in the past. Um, uh, so I think that, that level of sort of agility and, as I say, something about something quite angelic in his delivery meant that you, you're getting a sense of, of the man from beneath the makeup. Um, is, you talked about the, the reaction to the violence and the darkness of the series. Did that reaction make you look at series two a bit differently? Um, or were you still looking at it thinking, well, some people were like this, we're going to stick with, with what yeah, we're going to Yeah, I mean, that's behind the decision to throw, um, throw Sergeant Linklater out the window and onto the railings. Was, um, that was brilliant. I didn't want anybody to feel that, we'd, um, that we were going to be slacking off in any way. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, just coming back to one of the questions earlier about sort of the different things you can do in a second series. I mean, episode one is very much my attempt to kind of um, jump back in and kind of be very fast-paced and violent and slap people around the face a little bit. But I think episode two is a real change of pace, and you know, I, I really hope people respond to that. It feels it feels like a more sort of a more dramatic piece than a than a crime thriller. I don't know if you would agree with that. Um, yes, it's it's much. It's more human, the second one, I think. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I, I, I hope so, you know. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how people respond to it. Is there, is, was, is there ever a point where you think, no, we just can't go there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that you or is that the BBC saying? We're not That's me. You might be surprised to hear. I have quite a low threshold. Well, no, not that low, obviously, but... Um, I, don't know, I think I think Ripper Street for me is you've got to yes we're dark and we're serious what we do but we do it with a smile on our face uh, and even with a tongue in our cheek on occasion and anything that doesn't meet that necessity uh, I I throw out so we threw out in the pictures for the second series there was somebody came in with a pitch for an idea about one of the baby farmers you know, I don't know if you know who they were but they were the, you know large, largely women who used to take. Um, newborn children off chambermaids, um, you know, uh, seamstresses, prostitutes, anybody off the street who'd got themselves pregnant and, um, you know, wanted to get rid of the child in what seemed like a sort of an innocent way or, or um, a non-terrible way and they'd hand them over to these women, certainly for the day and sometimes for more. And these women would, would basically dope the children and there were a few cases actually of women who were then just putting them out with the rubbish, basically. I know, mass serial killing, you know. Um, That's not Sunday night, is it? Many years, you know. And then that was, you know, somebody came in gleefully telling us this story and I was like, <laughs> you can't have dead babies in this show. <laughs> <laughs> we draw the line there. It, that's, that's not, you know, that's not nice or fun or, you know, there's nothing deserving about that. I hope one way or another people who who get it in our show in violent ways tend to have some sort of culpability. Um mm. And you've also, this series, you've given Reed a sort of a nemesis in Jedediah Shine. Mm -hmm. um, was that always the plan? Where did, where did that yeah, come yeah. from? Jo Joseph is brilliant in that role. And was it important to you that it was somebody with a presence like that to sort of take on Reed? Absolutely. It had to be somebody with, um, you know, because Matthew, apart from being so brilliant, is such a big man as well. So it had to be somebody with a real kind of physical presence. And, Joe, Joe is actually quite, um, you know, not the tallest man in the world, but he has such sort of intensity as an actor that it was great watching him with all three of them, actually, just that sort of 
what he brings is a never quite sure what he's going to do next, um, which I really like about him. Um, so no, I'm very pleased about that. He'll be um, yeah. So he comes for he's definitely in episode two, and then we we leave him alone for a little bit, and he comes back towards the end of the series. A lot of people will be asking where Reed's wife is as well. Does she not appear at all in this series? And what was not, that no. conscious decision? Um, we um yeah. So Reed's wife, Deborah Gorin, um, we don't see them. Um, it was for me the decision was about. I very much felt that for this series at least, the story of Reed's daughter had been told. You know and that he'd looked for her and he hadn't found her. Um, and that I felt that his relationship with his wife was so sort of coloured by that now that, that every time we'd see her, it would be a, a harking back to that. So I wanted to sort of try and introduce a sort of a level of mystery that, that isn't a kind of, oh, what on earth happened there, but that she has just, like, as again, you've seen episode two, haven't you? So the, mm, the, the yeah. scene with Crab in the prison is all the information you get, really. really. Um, and uh, I, I like the idea of Reed alone. That was very much a decision I, I wanted to to take, was to put the other two boys in a more domestic um, setting and then have Reed kind of facing loneliness. Um, and I'm glad we took that decision. I, I'm, you know, I think uh, I enjoyed both, both Deborah uh, and Emily as characters, um, but um, I didn't want to continue telling that story particularly. I wanted to move Reed on, see where he is, um, see where he is now, what he's like as a man alone, um, and, and then introduce him to somebody new as the series goes on, which you will see in due course. And you've got Homer and Long Susan married now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, were you a bit worried about doing that? Because it worked so well last series, sort of the, the mystery that surrounded them and the, the volatile... Uh, nature of their relationship. If you put them together, things don't it's necessarily pretty, calm down. It's pretty volatile, as you'll see again. There's sort of so much story to come. Um, you know, life is never going to be easy for those two, um, as as we will find out. And I love, um, I love those two actors. I love those uh, those two characters. Um, it was it was always with the intention of um, of having a lot more fun with them, basically. Um, and I know when you write something like this that you create, you always create a world, whatever script you're writing. But in the case of Ripper Street, we were lucky enough to visit the set, and you really have created a world. Oh yeah, it's amazing, isn't in it? Dublin. It's, what, how does that must make you feel quite mm. quite special? It's oh, only with me if I'd done I, that. I have to say one of the um, um, one of the best moments of my entire life was. Um, Arriving in um, at Clancy Barracks, where we film it for the first day of the second series. First day of the first series was just also bizarre and strange, and um, I hadn't didn't, couldn't really take in sort of you know uh, the achievement really. And then going back for the second series and feeling that much more relaxed to arrive on the first day and know what was in store and see old faces and the incredible crew that that make it all happen and and know the space. It was like going home in a way. Um, it, it, it was like going back to your favourite sandpit of your childhood. Um, <laughs> I don't think I ever had one of those. I feel like I missed out. It's just about, it's like kind of a play space, you know. Um, that's great. That's really the most wonderful thing. And uh, Mark Garrity, our production designer, I think is uh, a man of distinct genius. Um, and it wouldn't be half the show without him. 
being there really, really messes with your mind, actually, doesn't it? You, yeah, do you find so that? So uh, done. <laughs> yeah, I find that sort of it's just sort of you, you get yourself a bit lost in those alleyways and come out in different places. And yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think we've got plans for next year as well to develop it even further. Um, so fingers crossed we get the series because uh, there's uh, a lot more to do there. And we, we have. Um, uh, the music hall there as well now, which um, uh, is a great addition, I think, to Clancy and, and to the to the series. And we're planning a lot, many more stories for series three set in the music hall. Did you get a sense that it was easier for the actors coming back as well? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it absolutely helps that they all like each other very much. Um, so. Uh, it was a bit like going back to school for the new term and seeing your friends, really. Because um, Adam lives in New York and Jerome lives in Wales and they hadn't seen each other for a long time. So there was a great kind of sense of all good, we, we get to come here and play. Um, that, that's very much the scene. I have to say it's the happiest sort of cast and crew you know, vibe and atmosphere that, that I've ever witnessed. And you talked about Series 3. How do you plan for something like that when you don't know for definite if it's coming? Um, I think I'm right in saying, wasn't Series 2 commissioned soon after you'd finished work on Series 1? Was that right? Um, or? No, not quite. It was it was Series 3. We had them... Basically, the, so the BBC will commission the first few scripts for the um, proposed new series, and then they don't greenlight the show until the... Um, Pretty, you know, the, the series has aired. So with series one, I think we got our green light decision. I think just after episode three aired. I think, um, um, but there was a certain amount of pressure on them that time because we needed to be up and shooting by the end of April to make things um, to make things work. So this time round, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they'll make a decision as quickly as possible because you know, going back to your your first question that. It, it's very hard to prepare a show if you don't know it's going to happen. <laughs> so, um, uh, I find generally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the sooner the sooner it happens, the better. But you know, there, there's so many there's so many different elements that the commissioners have to take into account. Um, uh, but it is it's a fairly sort of a, a, a nervous process um, at the moment. So. My uh, my this afternoon after I've uh, finished talking to you, I'm going to sit down and watch Heat, the Michael Mann film, because I think it's going to hopefully give me some ideas for something. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Terrible life, really, isn't it? <laughs> I know. You've got to fill the time. Uh, also, it's gone. It, how did it go down in the states? Because obviously, it's shown on BBC America there. What was? How did you feel doing press for it there? And how how's it gone down? Uh, it was then? my first trip to Los Angeles, so it was. Um, uh, a really great experience to go out and do all the press there and see, you know, be driving along these huge freeways and see the show on enormous billboards out there. That was really something. Um, uh, it's in BBC America, they're, they're a great channel, but they're not a huge channel yet. Um, but it was their it was their highest opening of a new of a, of a show. It wasn't Doctor Who, basically. So it was a new show. <laughs> That's brilliant. So that's that was really nice to hear, and there was some lovely press out there as well. And um, obviously, it's been good for me in, in terms of uh, my exposure out there. So no, I'm, I'm delighted about all of that. It's, it's great, and um, I think it's uh, going to be. Uh, I think I keep hearing it's either the first of December or the first of February that they're going to go again with it out there. So um, we shall have I to believe wait. it's December. 
I believe you believe December. Okay, then yes. you have more distance than I do. So yeah. um, that'll be exciting. And do you think there's a limit to how long you can go on with Biffin Street 4? I mean, can you see it running and running? Um, be interested in it running and running. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we always we've always seen it as something that can have um, that's a you know a precinct show that has a very um, clear um, time and space about it. And I think um, yeah, we've we've always conceived it as something like I don't know, Spooks ran from nine series. Then um, that that would be our um, that would be our, our desire certainly. That'd be great. I don't think you can write a series of it, but um, but I'll always be involved in this, certainly. Do you watch a lot of TV, or mm. is it a bit of a busman's holiday? Um, no, I, I, I do. I do watch. I'm not. I would say I'm not particularly obsessive, but um, I do. Uh, when I get into something, I, I really enjoy it. I probably watch more movies than I watch telly in that kind of way. But um, but yeah, you know, I, I watch more than most people do. So I had to kind of catch up with things just because I feel like I need to know what everybody else is doing. Um, but, um, Do you feel I like... like British television is in a good place at the moment uh, from a writer's oh. perspective? Mm, very much. I am. Um, I, I think. Well, it's you know, it is the American influence that as a writer you are. Um, it's very different to when I first dipped my toe in TV. There's sort of a. Um, Somebody was telling me that actually it wasn't even so long ago that, that writers didn't get invited to the BAFTAs. Um, you know, there's just the sense that you're sitting there scurrying away in the back room somewhere and mm. handing it up. And, uh, so I do think that the, the rise of, you know, the great American shows like Sopranos and The Wire, etc., has meant that culture has had to change and it's, um, the sense of it being a writer's medium is, is very different. I mean, I've worked in films as well where it's very much a director's medium and the writer is utterly replaceable and, and that situation is reversed in television now which is something I uh, appreciate and enjoy mm. Well Ripper Street continues Monday nights at 9 uh, if you missed the first series you can get it on DVD as well which I uh, might make a good stocking filler perhaps with the mm. uh, Christmas coming up. Uh, series 2 looks set for DVD release in January as well but Monday nights at 9 catch up on iPlayer if you miss it. It's Ripper Street on BBC One. Thank you ever so much Richard. I really appreciate you taking the it's time. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Hmm, doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today.